Hey everyone, my name is James and welcome to the Notorious Banker Podcast. 3,176 amazing followers at BankBetterGuy on Twitter. Dozens more at Patreon.com slash NotoriousBanker. Where for as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks. And 6,501 amazing followers at Notorious Banker on TikTok. Guys, thank you so very much for your love and support. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, we're headed on the holidays here, and I'm recording this as of December 17, 2021, uh, to give you some content um, while you're trying to avoid your family during the winter holidays. Now I kid around, but I love to hang out with my family. Uh, when I get to see them, they live about 150 miles away. My wife's family is about 200 miles away. Get to see them every Christmas, get to see my nieces and nephews. Um, It's really fun. This is something that I live for and I love um, without a doubt. Being an uncle is an amazing thing. I am not a father yet, but I'm sure if I'm a father, I would love that as well. But being an uncle is a pretty damn amazing um, job to have as well, trust me. I'm doing this podcast because, like I said, I wanted to give you content, but there's been so much going on in the banking world. There's been so much going on personally with yours truly as well. Um, I did mention to you on a previous podcast that I was really, really sick for a while. I had what's called a salivary gland stone, and I've never had that before. I've never had anything like it, but it pretty much impacted the way that I talked, the way that I interacted with people. In fact, um, I was running 102 fever, and then I would, it almost felt like I had COVID again. I went from 102 fever to 96 to 103 to 97. Um, I did sleep a lot. I felt so weak. There was just a lot going on, and I just couldn't get anything done. Um, it feels like it's healed up for the most part, although I can hear my voice just slightly a little bit different. Um, I do plan on taking antibiotics for that, so I'm going to be working on that during the holiday um, since I'm not going to donate plasma during that time. But anyway, enough about me. I just want to let you know that I've been working hard behind the scenes, and although you don't see me active posting stuff on Twitter, I'm helping people almost every single day, and I'm making sure that the world is a well-informed place. I can't make it a better place. But I can make it well-informed um, with this information that we have that big banks are evil. What could I say? We're going to do two really quick segments on this Christmas edition of the Notorious Banker Podcast. Now strike that. We're going to make um, three segments here because the third one is going to be a celebration of the three-year anniversary of the Notorious Banker Podcast, formerly known as Why Your Bank Sucks. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is my... Um, year-long, all of 2021 battle with the state of New Mexico Department of Workforce Solutions and me trying to um, get unemployment benefits that were entitled to me and the journey that I went through that was the subject of my book called Please Try Again, Please Try Your Call Again Later, easy for me to say, uh, which detailed everything that was going on with me at that point. I got to tell you, it was stressful. I was feeling sick, I was feeling depressed, um, the money slowly whittling down out of my account was something that was frustrating. Um, so, you know, I, I had a court hearing on December the 6th and the decision was finally made on December 15th. And I'll tell you more about that in the first segment. And then secondly, we're going to talk about something that happened last week. Um, Chase Bank, one of the biggest banks in the world, announced that they're going to uh, reimagine their overdraft policy in the coming weeks and months and you know it set off this whole thing with the Detroit Free Press had an article about it that's where I read about it from um, the Washington Post did an op-ed I was just denied 
um, uh, an op-ed appearance at the Washington Post. They submitted a, an opinion piece and I got denied for it. So I guess I got to try again. Um, but they had an opinion piece about you know you know banks have got to do better in regards to overdraft fees. Well, no shit. That's what we talk about all the time. This is something that is just close to my heart because there's so many people who get frustrated, so people who get stuck because of these fees. So I wanted to add some perspective on an op-ed in the Washington Post. Said, yeah, yeah, it's not good enough, James. So I'm just going to have to get better. That way I can prove to a, a national platform that I know what the fuck I'm talking about. But anyway, Chase is reimagining their fees. And there's really nothing groundbreaking there. Um, some would say, and I'm one of those some, some would say that it actually is going to harm customers more than help them. And I'll get to why that is um, on the second segment. And then the third one. Just going to talk about the three-year anniversary. Um, we won't do 2022 bank predictions yet. I'll save that podcast for the end of the year. But in the meantime, right after this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to talk about my battle to get unemployment benefits and where that has taken me in the last couple of days. It's very, very interesting. So please stick around. Potential sponsors, my name is James Baca, also known as the Notorious Banker. I am the host, creator, and proprietor of the Notorious Banker Project. I am also a consumer advocate who helps customers solve complex financial issues. I would love to have you as a sponsor of my content. The Notorious Banker has a critically acclaimed podcast of the same name, listened to by 10,000 people an episode, and we also have a very active Twitter community with thousands of posts monthly, creating millions of impressions and engagement per month. Also, a burgeoning young adult fan base on TikTok at Notorious Banker with 5,700 loyal followers and growing. I am looking for a dedicated sponsor who will help my project grow and will also let me be a loyal advocate for your company or product. 13 years in a financial institution has given me sales skills which will help me promote your company as I continue my journey into bettering financial lives. Ad packages are as affordable as $10 cost per mil which includes cross promotion on my social media channels, podcasts, and any direct promotion desired by you. Please contact me at james at thenotoriousbanker.com or go to thenotoriousbanker.com slash sponsorship for more details. Let's enlighten the amazing follower base of The Notorious Banker with your product, my podcast, and our goal to better our followers' financial lives. Thank you so much. All right, I'm back with more Notorious Banker podcast. So, you know, enough talking about me and my stuff here. You know, I dedicated a whole segment to my appeal hearing, and then I dedicated a whole podcast before to that as well. And I'm, I'm done talking about it. I want to make sure I get the money, but, you know, there's bigger and better things to talk about. And it's basically how so many people are impacted in this world by big banks. You know, I've been impacted by bank fees. Family members, friends, love interests have been impacted by bank fees over the course of my adult life and it's really frustrating and as you know I work as a notorious banker I see tweets I see social media posts every single day about someone who is having the worst day ever because of big banks and fees and you know that's something that's my wheelhouse that's something I love talking about although I am a very narcissistic person I'd rather talk about the things that interest me more than me um, myself itself I want to talk about Chase, I want to talk about Bank of America, and I want to talk about Wells Fargo and how they're just just really impacting this country in so many ways. The flavor of the month is all these bigger banks, and Capital One you know, was one of them. Bank of America, in a weird way, was one of them as well <laughs> uh, last year with their payday loan thing going on to avoid overdrafts. It's, it still doesn't make sense to me. 
um, banks are showing that, hey, you know, we care about our customers and we want to give them options to make sure they're not saddled with fees. But in reality, the, the programs that they're offering are just wolves in sheep's clothing. They're basically the same exact thing, save for a couple of things that are different in the terms and conditions that end up just, you know, impacting people just as bad, if not worse. The latest one to the dance is Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, it was out there about 10 days ago, this article, and I was going to do a podcast about it when it happened, but I had my court hearing thing, so um, we'll talk about it now. And this is from the Detroit Free Press. I'll link to it in the show notes. It says, Chase's, Chase Bank's new program to help customers avoid overdraft fees. And it's by Susan Tompor. I'm going to go ahead and link to it. Um, support your local journalism because it just may go away. Although the Detroit Free Press kind of looks like the Las Cruces Sun News' website, meaning that they're both owned by Gannett, and um, Gannett's not exactly the the greatest um, company in the world, according to some former employees of Gannett that I've talked to. So, anyway, it's that's their opinion, not mine. But I'm just I'm just hearing things. I'll just say it that way. It says, I'm, I'm going to kind of skip through here. It says, on Wednesday, Chase Bank, the biggest bank in the country, announced four key changes relating to the overdraft picture. Unlike Capital One, which made news last week by announcing plans to eliminate overdraft fees, in reality, they didn't do that. Chase is keeping its $34 overdraft fee, and Chase customers may be charged a maximum of three overdraft fees a day. It was four a day, but beforehand it was seven a day, so things are getting better with the maximizing of how much they can rip off of you at that point. It says, what is Chase doing different relating to overdrafts? It says, instead, Chase is promoting a series of changes that can help consumers who don't have a large cushion of cash in their checking accounts avoid triggering fees for overdrafts. Among other things, the bank has created a bigger buffer for shortfalls and eliminated a non-sufficient funds fee. So we'll break down as they talk about it in this article here. It says next year Chase plans to offer a new grace period and also offer up to two business days of early access for direct deposit of paychecks. And that's important to what I'm going to get at in a second. Next year Chase will initiate a next day grace period where customers will have until the end of the next business day to correct shortfalls and add money to a balance back to where the customer can be overdrawn by $50 or less to bring a balance back to where a customer can be overdrawn by $50 or less to avoid fees from the previous day. All sounds well and good, um, but we'll get to the why it's not in a second. Also beginning in 2022, Chase will offer its customers early direct deposit, which would enable customers to get access to their paychecks that are directly deposited up to two business days early. Having access to that money a bit earlier might help some overdraft fees too. (laughs) I mean, if you're overspending, you're overspending. It doesn't matter if you get it early or not. Because that money's going to be spent regardless. You know, that money getting there now, yeah, you'll maybe avoid a fee or two here or there. But that vicious cycle of always just waiting to get paid two days early, inevitably there's a gap where it's going to be there where you're not going to have the money. The two changes for 2022 are on top of two other moves that Chase quietly rolled out in August but began publicizing now. Yeah, it's funny that they quietly rolled them out because they don't really do anything. Uh, Chase has 200 branches in Michigan and 50 branches in the city of Detroit. They are one of the biggest banks in Detroit. Bank of America has left a lot of the areas in Detroit. Noted in August that it eliminated a $34 fee called a return item fee. 
The fee, also known as an NSF or non-sufficient funds fee, was charged when Chase declined to pay a check or electronic payment because the customer didn't have enough money in their account. Pros, that's a good thing, okay? So it's important to make sure that you're not putting your customers in a vicious cycle to where uh, that's going to happen. You know, you don't want the bank to pay it because they may not recoup the money, especially if you get overdrawn. You may say, fuck that bank and I'm never going to bank there again. And they may be left with a loss, a charged off loss. Eliminating the return item fee is, is fine in the sense that it's protecting customers from, you know, mistakes. Like sometimes you'll pay the phone bill $1,000 instead of 100 you accidentally hit another zero or forgot to put a decimal point somewhere or whatever. Stuff like that happens. And I've seen it happen before and it's a pain in the ass to fix. So I understand why they got rid of that and that's fine by me. But, you know, the con of that is, let's just say you're theoretically paying the electric company or you're paying Verizon. And you inadvertently make that payment or you make that payment with good intent but you don't have enough money to cover it. That electronic payment through online bill pay gets sent through or if you write a check and it bounces and it goes back, of course, you know, big banks don't want you to write checks anymore. But it gets returned back to you. So the bank isn't charging you a $34 fee. What's happening is, and you know you've seen this because I saw this in the 80s, for God's sakes, and I was born in 83. I saw it in the 90s and I still see it today. There's a $25 charge for return payments. So there's a $30 charge for bounce checks. It's still, there's still signs in this world that, that talk about those things. And basically, long story short, what that means is, yeah, the bank's not going to charge you a fee if you couldn't pay Verizon or the electric bill. But the electric company is, Verizon's going to charge you that for not having enough money to pay the bill. So what Chase is saying is, like, we're getting rid of this fee, but they're not saying that they're putting you in a better position to avoid overdrafts or to avoid owing more money than you than you should have at that point. They're just passing the buck. You know, eliminating this fee is basically saying, <clears throat> go talk to them. Go talk to the people who try to draw that money out because they're the ones charging you a fee. And we had nothing to do with it because it's not our policy to pay these checks through when you don't have enough money. So that's basically that's basically what it is. Chase is basically saying, yeah, we wash our hands of it. Go talk to them. Which sucks. That's not, that's not a, a new service. Getting rid of the fee is good, but that's uh, uh, the new service is not pointing the finger at someone else i mean you know I, I don't know what the the counter to that would be i don't know if that means like if you're cl under a hundred dollars you're not allowed to do bill pay or maybe it just you know doesn't allow you to write checks when you're under a certain amount of money i don't know there's so many things that can be discussed about that and i, I just don't know where to go from here with that but all i'm saying is that's not a that's not a new program that's them eliminating a fee, but you're still liable for any fees from any other company that's not going to accept your payment because you don't have enough money. Chase also said it has expanded its overdraft cushion from to $50 from $5 back in August. Chase customers pay no overdraft fees if they make a purchase that causes their account to be overdrawn by $50 or less. Now the overdraft fee kicks in when a transaction of more than $50 ends up overdrawing the account. Now this is something that is 100% different than Bank of America. Bank of America doesn't have a buffer. You know, I used to have people come, you know, to my office and say, you know, you guys overdrafted me by 30 cents. I was only overdrafted by $1.10 and you're going to charge me 35 for that? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I got yelled, um, yelled at about that. So even with the $5 buffer that Chase, you know, said that they had, you know, previously before August, that was good because honestly, a lot of overdrafts are literally, you just miss the mark by a little bit. 
Maybe you forgot to carry the one. Maybe just something happened. Maybe, you know, you you factored in that you were going to eat out. You had enough money to eat out, and you wrote the tip, and you looked on your online banking. You saw that you still had enough money to buy a soda the next day or something, and then you realized the tip didn't kick in, and then that overdrafts your account. Stuff like that happens, and you can't be in control of everyone that's dealing with your financial information when you make a payment. So the $5 cushion was pretty good. I'm going to give them credit on that, and going up to 50 is even better. But it says Chase customers pay no overdraft fees if they make a you know a purchase that causes their account to be overdrawn by fifty dollars or less. The overdraft fee kicks in when the transaction of more than fifty dollars ends up overdrawing the account. So here's the thing with that: a lot of times, and and Bank of America has been sued and settled for this exact practice. Other banks have been you know alleged to do this as well, and that's the that's the you know thing called stacking. Basically, what stacking is, is they rearrange your payments. Maybe you paid the electric bill first, and then you paid you know, Netflix second, and you paid Apple TV plus third. But what's, what's happening is they're going to rearrange it to a way that's going to make it more likely for you to overdraft the account. They're going to rearrange everything that says, hey, the big one's going to come out first, and then the little ones are going to pop up second. So... You know, there's a there's a situation where you know someone who's going to have multiple things that are going to put the account in the negative are not going to have the things post exactly in the order in which that they did them, and they're still going to get charged an overdraft fee at that point in time. So this is by no means an end all be all. Yes, there are people who overdraft their account by a few dollars, but at the same time, when someone overdrafts the account with one transaction, a lot of the times there are other transactions that follows because it's a whole um, I was told by a boss a long time ago, it's like, you know, James, when you make an error as a teller, every error after your transaction or every transaction after your error is also an error too because the computer is not right. The money's not matching up to what you have in your till and what you have in your, your proof work and all that. And that's what overdraft fees are. Overdraft fees are basically saying, hey, something wasn't right at this point right here. And everything else after that wasn't right because you didn't have enough money. So at that point, what is happening? What's happening? You're basically saying you're putting yourself, putting your fate in the hands of the bank that they're going to post it to where it's favorable for you. We don't know what Chase is going to do. They don't say. And we don't know from one customer to the next if there are striking similarities. I, I don't know that. Jennifer Pipzak, co-CEO of the Consumer and Community Banking for Chase, told the free press in a phone interview that the bank's customers now have a larger buffer before they would incur a fee. And Jennifer says, I'm still going to do my bank voice, nearly 2 million customers have benefited to this point. After making sure the technology is working properly with the new program, Chase is launching a program this week called Chase Overdraft Assist. And then this free press story is talking about, like, gives an example like I just did. If you bought an $8 coffee and a snack and then $30 worth of groceries, it was once possible that you could trigger two overdraft fees. But if you opt into overdraft coverage for the debit card, Chase customers don't incur an overdraft fee if you don't have enough money to cover those small purchases. So there's there's a key word there that's really, really important. And it says opt-in for overdraft coverage. Anytime you use the phrase opt-in, that tells me that it requires a customer consent. There are going to be millions of customers out there that don't know that they need to consent to opt-in for overdraft coverage before. I don't know what Chase's standard overdraft setting is for their debit card whenever you make those small purchases. Bank of America has a decline all, so if you don't have enough money and you go use your debit card somewhere, it's not going to let you do it. 
That's one thing I give Bank of America some credit for. But there are some banks where if you have a dollar and you buy that $8 cup of coffee, then it's going to make you minus 7 and then overdraft the account. So the fact that Chase is saying you have to opt in for this tells me that there's still going to be millions of people that don't realize that they have to do something in order to get this out. So when it says opt-in for overdraft coverage, to me that sounds like a sales pitch. That sounds like someone who is still kind of um, doing a, an offer statement to a customer and they have to say yes or no to that. So um, there's something else going on. It's early direct deposit feature. Um, the grace period is, is, uh, is something I want to talk about um, after this, but the early direct deposit feature is, is an interesting one because... I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with early direct deposit feature. I think it's the equivalent of giving your kids a Christmas present on December 17th and not on December 25th because at the end of the day, they open their present a full week ahead of time when Christmas comes rolling around and there's not enough gifts for the little kid at that point. The kid's going to be sad and say, you didn't give me any Christmas gifts even though you gave him the Christmas gift the week before. And that's the way early direct deposit is. And I know uh, Chime is one of the biggest companies that offers that, you know, get paid up to two days early thing. And it says the early direct deposit feature, which goes into place next year to Chase, but is being advertised by others, such as Chime and Huntington Bank, is another piece of the puzzle to help consumers who live paycheck to paycheck. And here's the Chase employee again. There is no one silver bullet in terms of serving our customers, but we do think that early direct deposit is a valuable component of all the of the overall proposition for our customers it could be it could prove to be very valuable to have your paycheck up to two days earlier given when your bills may be due so you know early direct deposits more of a, it's a blessing if your bills are due on the 17th and you know you get paid on the 15th in order to get your bearings and take care of those bills before you get late fees or whatever you know some people are just unlucky and they just have bad timing with bills my mom was like that my, a lot of my family was like that as well. And you just got to be cognizant of what's going on in your world to make sure that you're paying those bills on time. But here's the problem with the up to two days earlier thing. So that, that requires you to have direct deposit. The, most of the people who overdraft an account obviously don't, you know, they people of color, low-income people, a lot of people don't have direct deposit. So none of this shit I'm talking about is going to apply to them. So if you have direct deposit going into your account, I don't know what the data shows, but it, you're less likely to overdraft your account if you have an automated deposit. And I know you're, what you're going to say is like, well, why don't people have direct deposit? It's easier said than done. I think a lot of people would want to have their money electronically in an account overnight instead of having to get a paper check and stand in the line and cash a check and get cash and put their money in their wallet and then go pay bills or whatever. There are a lot of people who like doing that, but it's not a, it's not a majority. Majority of people don't care how it's in there as long as it's in there. Um, so it's cool to have that two days early, but like, I, like I've said before, people who are low income, people of color, people who live in, honestly, like areas like Detroit where there's a lot of low income people, um, a lot of places, you know, they, they work for jobs that give them a paper check. That direct deposit is not an option at their place of work. If you're a server, even if you get a direct deposit, it's not going to be enough to be a qualifying one. If you are a stripper, you know, if you're someone who who doesn't make a lot of money, chances are you're getting a paper check. And this is not going to help you. So having your money up to today's early is not going to be a benefit to you. And to the people who do, a lot of those people tend to have their shit together. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, what does that mean to have your check up to two days early? Does that mean that your, your bank, you, I get paid on a Friday, does that mean your bank 
actually gets your check on a Wednesday and they hold it to earn interest for themselves because they're so greedy people. No, no, no. Early direct deposit, it, it takes time for it to kind of kick into effect. But they're, they're saying that, you know what, we estimate that this is how much you're going to make every paycheck according to your, you know, recurring direct deposits that we've seen the last few months. And it seems like you're averaging X every so often. So maybe they won't give you the full amount of the direct deposit, but there's a number that they settle on saying you're going to be eligible to get $500 of this direct deposit two days earlier based on your previous deposit history. So, you know, it's, it's, it's only based on the fact that they have enough data on you to say, well, this person isn't going anywhere. They got this direct deposit coming. So it's not the bank receiving it. They, they can often see it being authorized and coming towards them maybe the day before, but they don't get it two days before and then just the dick faces tell you to wait two more days. That's not how it works. And then this story talks about blah, 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 $100 and $200 in overdraft fees in a single day, financial challenges. It says 95% of the consumers who paid overdraft fees in 2020 were viewed as financially coping or vulnerable and disproportionately black and Latinx. By the way, I don't like the phrase Latinx, and I'm, I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican. According to the 2021 FinHealth Spend Report, coping households struggle with some aspects of their financial lives, while the vulnerable struggle in almost all areas. The report also noted 43% of vulnerable households with checking accounts reported having overdrafted their accounts in 2020. Those surveyed consumers triggered 9.6 overdrafts on average. That means, according to Chase's eyes, um, a little more than $300 a year in overdrafts out of those 43%. On average, that's the median, which means some people did less, but that means there's a shit ton of people who did a lot more. It says financially healthy households surveyed ended up triggering two overdrafts a year. Financially healthy people are giving $70 extra to big banks. Give me a fucking break. It says, you know, these three big banks, Chase, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America, found themselves under fire recently related to overdraft fees. And it says three banks brought in 44% of the total overdraft fees reported in 2019 by banks with assets over a billion dollars. It says total revenue reached an estimated $15.47 billion in fees related to overdrafts and non-sufficient funds where a bank returns the balance check to the account holder. So, you know, it talks about all this, talks about Senator Warren and Jamie Dimon and blah, 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 blah. The $50 buffer thing is what I wanted to just kind of finally talk about here. It says the $50 buffer, for example, is similar to a move initiated by earlier by Huntington Bank, which announced the $50 safety zone in 2020. Huntington's consumer or business customers who overdraw their accounts by 50 or less will not see an overdraft fee. And they also increased the previous $5 limit and offers a grace period for consumers to make a deposit to fix issues and to avoid an overdraft. So the grace period thing is just the thing that bugs me the most. Because, and I know this from my, my first of the monthers, my Social Security people, retirees, um, disability, VA benefits, whatever. There's a lot of people out there who they get their check, they go to the bank, and they withdraw all their money. They withdraw all their money the day that they get it. So let's just say that they signed up for a Netflix account and they forgot about it. And they take out all their money on December the 1st, and then Netflix is going to charge them the 10th. And Netflix charges $14.99. So you got to make it right by the end of the day, and it won't get charged an overdraft fee. 
sounds all well and good until you realize one thing. That that person is not going to go back into the bank, not until January 1st, well not even then, until January 2nd, to get their money out. And they'd be like, hey, why am I $49 short? Oh, because it was $14 for Netflix and a $35 overdraft fee. Well, I didn't get notified of that. Well, you know, we do give you a grace period of one day in order to make things right. I don't check my account until I get my check, and then I don't check it again until the next month. Well, we apologize, Mr. Customer. There's nothing we can do. That's the way that I feel about the grace period. I feel that the people who are needy, who need help the most, tend to overdraft their account. They don't know about it right away. And trust me, with alerts, with um, bank apps and stuff, you don't get that overdraft notification immediately. You get it at the end of the business day. Some people don't get it at all. I've, I've received hit and miss text messages from my banks, even though I've opted into a lot of their services. So I know that people are going through the same thing as well. And, you know, just those people that I know only check it during payday, don't use it for day-to-day stuff. They prefer to carry cash. If something hits them in, in the wrong way, something that they didn't authorize or they didn't know that they authorized, that's still going to be detrimental to people, and that's going to be the shittiest thing about that. Now, now the last part of that is, you know, you can you can have that grace period, and it's all well and good. But then you're going to have some customers, and I hate saying this, that are going to rob Peter to pay Paul. You're going to have some people that are $49 negative, and they're either going to have to borrow money from a relative, which is really difficult enough, you know, no matter who you are. You're going to have to borrow money from a friend, which kind of strains the friendship. Or you're going to have to pawn something, or you're going to have to go payday loan or title loan something in order to make your account right. So once again, this little service, this buffer that they have, it's a good idea in theory. But in reality, it's just more of passing the buck. It's more of putting the onus on you to say, hey, you need to figure out a way to pay your bills in the next 24 hours and we don't care how you get the money just get the money and some people get the money and they don't realize that shit i'm gonna pay this off in full but now i have to pay this guy back 50 dollars, and maybe they don't pay them right away maybe the friendship becomes strained if it's family maybe there's this whole guilt trip thing going on if it's a payday loan that 50 dollars borrowed can end up being 150 dollars when it's all said and done title loans and ponding stuff people legitimately do that not cool those are things that impact consumers also as well especially in places like where i live so the grace period doesn't really help either so like what i'm getting at here is you know all these new overdraft programs sound cool it sounds like people put a lot of thought into them and i don't doubt that they put a lot of thought into them but the fact of the matter is this you know these problems with overdraft fees are not going to go away until you just eliminate the fee why does a Chase customer have to opt in for overdraft coverage to get protection that he wouldn't be afforded otherwise if he didn't opt in, whether it's verbally or whether he or she has to sign a form? You know, Capital One says, we're going to get rid of all overdraft fees in early 2022 by opting into overdraft protection. Well, why do I have to opt into something that has a name of something that you said is not going to be there in early 2022? This is where the confusion kicks in, and this is where I think that um, a lot of these overdraft programs are, are done by spin artists. They're done by people whose job is to kind of twist the truth. And I'm not accusing anyone of, you know, being totally deceptive. But I really do think that they think that they're doing a good job for the general public. And I can tell you, as someone in the banking industry who had to deal with people who ran into situations like this, um, it's not a fun conversation to have. 
and they know that they're not being helped. And frankly, when I live in that area and I help people like that, I know that they're not being helped. And that's the really frustrating part of it. So at least good on Chase for getting their name out there, I guess. I don't know. Um, you know, but whatever. And then this article says, well, why isn't Chase just eliminating overdraft fees? It says, asked why Chase isn't just eliminating its overdraft fee. Pipsack said that the bank knows its customers value being able to access overdraft services. We know our th- we know that our customers leverage overdraft to pay important bills, avoid late fees, avoid negative impacts on their credit, and in the case of debit card coverage, are able to make everyday purchases at groceries. So, you know, basically, Chase is saying we're not getting rid of the overdraft fee because there's some people that like it. It's like, you know, people who get sexually harassed at work. Bad analogy, I know. But they get sexually harassed at work. It's like, oh, yeah, she likes it or he likes it whenever I talk like that. Like, that's what Chase is saying. Chase is saying, oh, yeah, yeah, our our customers, they love those $35 fees because, you know what, they have to pay those bills and they just love paying that fee to make sure that they pay their bills. They love making sure that they're not negatively impacted on their credit by paying their bills. They love paying a fee to us to make sure that they don't pay a late fee because in their head they can justify a late fee I mean, they could justify an overdraft fee. They just can't justify a late fee. This is this is an illness. <laughs> the way that this Chase spokesperson says that, it, you know, when people want overdrafts to be able to do these things, it's funny. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Five Hundred by Midnight, who talks about Las Vegas, which is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Um, this big hubbub about ten years ago for resort fees at bank at bank, excuse me, at hotels. Where it says, hey, your rate is $59 a night at the Flamingo. But that doesn't include tax. And that doesn't include the resort fee. And these resort fees started popping up about 10 years ago. And they were like $18, $19. And it was a lot. Now they're like $50 a night at some places. $60 a night. You stay at Aria. You stay at the Cosmopolitan. It's really expensive. And I remember when um, Caesars Entertainment, it was formerly called Harrah's Entertainment... Um, they had these signs all over Vegas that says, no resort fees ever, period, until they started offering resort fees. And the statement that the then CEO of Harris put out there was the most hilarious shit in the world. And indirectly, hearing my favorite podcast host talk about that, it kind of made me want to do podcasts as well. Because the CEO essentially said, our customers are demanding this. Our customers say we want clarity in our fees. So instead of paying for a long distance fee here and a pool access fee there and a gym access fee there, we are lumping in all the benefits of staying at our res- at our resort by instituting this $29 a night resort fee. That way you have clarity. That way you're paying a fee and you know what you're getting with that. Well, you, you can't avoid the, the resort fee. So you can't say, hey, I'm not going to use the gym. I'm not going to use the pool. Um, you know, I don't plan on making any calls. I've got a cell phone like 95% of the people have in this country. So I don't need to pay the fee. Yeah, try try talking to someone at the hotel about waiving the resort fee. They're not going to do it. In fact, just try talking to a person at all. Because a lot of these places in Vegas have self-check-in kiosks now. So that's even less um, conversation that you have with someone in the hotel when you're staying there. It's just the way that it is, man. It's life. This is just the way things are are at now where you know people who do bad things just own the moment and say yeah our customers like that the fact that this person says that they love overdraft is just hilarious to me 
But anyway, you know, I'm going to link to this in the show notes. There's so many fun factoids in this article here. Um, and, you know, it talks about other banks and what they're doing. And frankly, there's just none of it's good. None of it's good. And it all just has to go away. Otherwise, you know, there's no point anymore in talking about these things whenever they announce something because it's the same shit. It's just dressed up in different clothes. Period. End of story. I'll be back to wrap up this podcast and to celebrate our three-year anniversary after this, so please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James, the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. That's at Notorious Banker on TikTok. Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird to have a 38-year-old on TikTok, but you know, I was so inspired by people who share couponing deals on there, home and car hacks, among other things. It's a very influential place to be right now and you can get a lot of traction with a lot of people fast. And I really think my brand of humor along with banking news and information and stories about unethical things going on in big banks fits perfectly on TikTok. No, I won't be doing a lot of dancing, but what I will be doing is a lot of information giving to you, the general public, you know, the 67 million people who bank at Bank of America, the 30 million plus at Bank of Wells Fargo. You need to know the stories and you need to know the tea behind what's going on in the banking world. So if you join me on TikTok and Notorious Banker, I am going to blow your mind. I'm going to try to make you laugh as well, but I'm going to keep it informational and I'm going to keep it fun. So join me on TikTok today. That's at Notorious Banker. All right, back with more Notorious Banker to wrap it up here. Before I go, I wanted to just acknowledge that this month, December 2021, is my third anniversary of doing this podcast. Originally started out as Why Your Bank Sucks. It eventually worked its way to the name now called the Notorious Banker, which of course is my name on social media. You know, I've done about 170 of these things. I've had, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads in the time that I've been doing this. And, you know, there are some episodes that are just iconic the whole um after the whole george floyd thing the billion dollar commitment that bank of america allegedly gave to end racial inequality which is ridiculous um the issues with um iranian um citizens having trouble opening accounts at big banks like bfa and wells fargo and the hurdles and the unethical things that banks go through in order to avoid helping these customers and you know, that one received over 30,000 downloads, and I was really just amazed by that. It all started three years ago with me just wanting to freestyle um, an opinion on Bank of America's ATM location in a very African-American-heavy part of Houston, Texas, where the machine was spitting out $100 bills instead of $10 bills, and it caused this whole chaotic incident where the ATM was emptied by customers taking quote ten dollars out and hundred dollar bills were coming out and this was around christmas time 2018 and the stunning thing was bank of america decided to just let the customers keep that money and don't try to prosecute anyone despite the the determination of the former police chief of houston art acevedo um wanting to you know pursue charges for grand theft for all these customers who did that um, we can tell you a lot more about Art Acevedo's political leanings and issues at his new job in Miami and tells you all that you need to know about why he wanted to pursue that. But I did an opinion piece on that. I wanted to talk about how, you know, someone's going to get fired for that and it's gonna, not going to be their fault. And the whole chain of command from there's several sets of eyes that should have saw that money before it went into the ETM and they obviously didn't. 
But at the same time, you know, the armored car people are going to lose their job. Yeah, they didn't look to verify the money. But at the same time, the vault teller for Bank of America, the vault teller for the armored car company, they're the ones that mistakenly put that money in there too. So, you know, it just opened up this whole conversation. It was really popular. And I just continued to do it. And I started basically swearing last year after the Floyd thing. And I just wanted to be more of myself. And, you know, while I'm not the most popular podcast in the world, I do get, you know, a couple of thousand downloads every single time I record this. And I'm just really, really thankful that I'm just kind of hitting the right notes with this. And although a lot of the times it's just me talking into this microphone and and I have this monotone voice at times, I, I just really hope that my monotone voice can give you some information that you wouldn't otherwise have and entertain you and tell stories and laugh and just shoot the shit the way that I love to shoot the shit. So I really appreciate you listening to this. It's really important to me to continue to do this. In 2022, I'm going to try to figure out a more consistent schedule in order to do this regularly because, you know what, we got more to talk about than just banks. The whole gamut of financial issues is there to talk about as long as you want me to talk about them. And, of course, I would love to hear your feedback at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, at Notorious Banker on TikTok, and you can go to the, um, the Notorious Banker at gmail.com for more information. I just want to thank you again for listening to this podcast. I will be wrapping it up. I should have another one after the Christmas holiday. In the meantime, you have a very happy and healthy holiday. Enjoy your family, enjoy those little moments, and then come back to see the Notorious Banker fight back against big banks. I'm going to have those great moments with my family as well. So I'm just hoping the best for you and yours as well. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Enjoy your enjoy this time of year. It's a good one. Talk to you soon.